Mick Foley came into WWE as Mankind, a monstrous villain with a ridiculously overwrought backstory. He was supposed to be an abused piano prodigy raised in a boiler room, and he would wail and cry and tear his hair out whether he won or lost. It was weird, but Foley was dedicated and he made it work. But then a weird thing happened. Somebody figured out that Mick Foley, the actual human man, had a more interesting backstory than Mankind. See, Foley grew up in WWE territory, and his dream was to compete there. He wanted to be Dude Love, a comical ladies' man character. But at the time, WWE was looking for bodybuilder types, so Mick took his dad bod down south. He started working as Cactus Jack, a wild man famous for his willingness to put his body through incredible punishment for the sake of performance. He went to Japan, where he leaned even harder on his ability to absorb horrifying amounts of carnage by wrestling in matches that involved barbed wire, fire, and even explosions. In 1996, WWE finally came calling, but by that time, years of working this style had left Foley with tons of battle scars, including missing teeth and a torn-off ear. He was closer than ever to the prestige and relatively gentle wrestling style of WWE, but he was so beaten and broken by the road that he had taken to get there that they decided that the only way to portray him was as a deranged, violent monster. As a narrative, that is 1,000 times better than the boiler room garbage they'd cooked up. And in response, WWE decided to blur the lines between reality and fiction. Fans decided that the performer himself deserved recognition and success, so Mankind became a lovable cheeseball indistinguishable from Mick Foley. The one-time monster even wrote a New York Times best-selling memoir, solidifying himself as an unexpectedly sympathetic hero. And then, in the twilight of his career, a tired and broken-down Mick Foley got a match against The Rock. The Rock The Rock, at the height of his powers. He was finally going to get his chance at glory, but everyone knew he wasn't going to win, no matter how badly millions of fans suddenly wanted him to. Right? Today on I Hate Wrestling, it's Mick Foley. Hope for mankind. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. Listen, I'm very happy when anybody volunteers for this show and I don't have to put the screws to them, so to speak. I don't have to put the... <laughs> I, and I didn't have to put the proverbial screws to you. I just sort of put out a clarion call for potential guests on Facebook, because I'm a professional, and uh, you, you answered that call. I did. I saw what we would be doing this about, and I kind of jumped at the chance. Right, because you have feelings about, about Mr. Michael Foley, Mrs. Foley's baby boy, as they say. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I do. We'll get into your feelings about, uh, about Mr. Foley in, in good time, but I have to ask you what I ask all of my guests. Actually, I didn't ask my guests this for like the first three episodes, which is a major faux pas because it's the name of the show, but Katie, do you hate wrestling? Do not hate wrestling? Is that still okay? It's okay, but uh, I'm assuming you don't have an overwhelming positive outlook on wrestling. I have fond memories of past Katie watching the wrestling. Adult Katie is ambivalent. Ambivalent. I'll take ambivalent. Ambivalent is where we're going. (laughs) Okay. So... 
uh, I don't know if our uh, if our listeners have an ear for accents, but you are not an American person. I am not an American person. You are my first non-American guest. Isn't that exciting? You're going international. Yes, international. Actually, I was looking at my SoundCloud statistics today. I have like 46 listeners from Amsterdam. You're blowing up in Amsterdam. Which is crazy. Thank you. Whoever's listening in Amsterdam, tell, tell some more friends. Apparently, people are very into what I'm putting down over in, in, uh, in the Netherlands. Good on me, I guess. Yeah, that's a very cool place. So you must be cool. I must be cool. I'm uh, I'm the toast of Holland. <laughs> what are your stats on England? Uh, I had like three listeners. <laughs> I was wondering if it was just going to be me. One of, England's one, not cool. England's not cool. So one of them is you. <laughs> I figured probably. And then two others who I, I can't begin to imagine unless uh, unless you've been telling your friends also. I have been telling them, but they're not cool either. Okay, so that's it. So you and your two friends, or two of your friends anyway, <laughs> and then 46 people I've never met from Amsterdam. Keep it up. Keep it up, you crazy Dutchman. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Amsterdam. So uh, the reason I bring up the fact that you are not American is that pro wrestling is incredibly American as an art form. It's very true. It is a big old steaming slice of Americana, and I just, I wonder what sort of entree pro wrestling had into the culture of the UK. I, I, I know it blew up somewhat in the late 90s, of course, because we're talking about uh, Mick Foley. Mm-hmm. And I know WWE ran SummerSlam 1992 at Wembley Stadium, and that was a huge deal. At what point did you become aware of pro wrestling? Well, I got really into wrestling kind of in the late 90s. So I will have been um, primary school age, but that doesn't make sense to you. So like 9 or 10? We, we still call it primary school. Oh, good. Sometimes. Sometimes it's elementary school. <laughs> Sometimes. I think, I think that's elementary school. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay, good. So um, I had a brother who would invite his friends over um, and they would be like tiny men kind of growling at each other and wrestling and I'd just kind of be in the corner like eating popcorn and mostly enjoying the Hardy Boys Okay. because I thought they were cool <laughs> so that's about what was happening when I was getting into it Oh, so we're going to have a fundamental disagreement if you were uh, if you were a Hardy Boys fan because I was an Edge and Christian fan. Oh no! Yes. We're going to have to fight this out. <laughs> we're going to have to find a ladder somewhere. <laughs> yes. So what was it about the Hardy Boys that uh, that captured your just the fact that they were like Jinkos? Like I think so. Cargo yeah. jeans. <laughs> I think that's about it. Um, and, Jeff had the cool hair. Yep. Yeah, I think that was about. The measure of it. Mesh shirts, mesh opera gloves. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Weirdly, I've just realized that's how, there's like a fashion now again. Yeah. Everyone's dressing like the Hardy Boys. <sighs> I'm still waiting for everybody to dress like Edge and Christian with gigantic sunglasses and uh, kazoos. You need to be the person to bring that into the, uh, the public I, consciousness. I need to be the person who dies on that cross, huh? That's it. Uh, you need to be the trendsetter here. <laughs> okay, so you like the Hardy Boys because they looked cool. Pretty much. Mick Foley has never looked cool in his life. So what is it that drew oh, you no. to Mick Foley? Well, 
much as I liked the Hardy Boys because they looked cool, I think I liked Mick Foley because he was just really, really not cool. Because a lot of the other wrestlers were very kind of outwardly, I don't know, like trying to be cool. So against people like The Rock, yes, um, he was just very different. And he was kind of chubby and he had the hair going on and he liked to do weird things. And I guess I, as like a chubby 10-year-old, I respected that. Yeah, he kind of looks like somebody started shaving the Cowardly Lion and gave up halfway through. Exactly. And then you just... And I had massive respect for that look. <laughs> <laughs> but you make an excellent point, because Mick Foley doesn't look like a pro wrestling superstar. Right, exactly. And he doesn't act like a pro wrestling superstar either. Yeah, that's it. So where it did... Was just, it was cool to be uncool. Yes, hip to be square. That's it. So... Where did you where did you jump on the Mick Foley bandwagon? Cause Pretty much all of my memories of him uh, when he started doing the Rock and Sock connection. Okay, so you were here for the the goofy friendly Mick Foley. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so I, I don't really remember when he was screaming mankind. Right. So I I wanted to talk about that a little bit. I sent you the homework, which was sort of a career retrospective about uh, about Mick. I didn't know that was homework, and now I'm a bit nervous. That's okay. I'm not going to test you on it. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> I'm not going to test you on it. But I did just want to talk about the journey that Mick was on. Because when that started, we saw him as Cactus Jack, who's like yep. this crazy, bloodthirsty, I guess he's supposed to be like an Old West outlaw kind of guy. Yeah. Now, did you have uh, any WCW in the UK? I don't think so. Okay. Not so- that I remember. So, at the time, WWE was locked in this head-to-head battle with WCW. They were both, you know, neck and neck in terms of cable presentation, in terms of financial backing. These two companies had the same amount of resources, and it was really a neck and neck battle to see who was going to come out on top. And Mick Foley was working for WCW, and they fired him because they felt that he was too violent for mainstream television. And WWE didn't want him because WWE, at the time, wanted people who looked like The Rock. They wanted big, oiled-up, muscly guys with no body hair. Which Mick Foley... That's grim in a lot of ways. Right. And Mick Foley is not any of those things. No. So he went, he went underground, he went to ECW, he went to Japan, where he competed in deathmatch wrestling, which is just grotesque, like... The ring is on fire, and the ropes are made of barbed wire, and the ring explodes, and essentially he destroyed his body because he was not wanted by the mainstream wrestling community in the U.S. And then he sort of came back into prominence as Mankind because he was this this gross monster, like the screaming monster version of Mankind. And it was kind of this sad story because he had wanted to be working for WWE, known for their glitz and glamour, and he wanted to be this shiny, handsome hero character. And by the time the company that he wanted to work for hired him, he had destroyed his body and disfigured himself to try to get noticed. So by the time he's where he's wanted to be for 20 years, they're like, okay, you're a hideous monster, and that's all anybody's ever going to see you as. From there... I have a new respect for his passion. Yeah, to, to just stick it out through all of those years, and then he finally gets his chance, and once the cameras are on him, everyone sort of noticed how charming he was. 
that's the really cool thing I think about Mick Foley is that they brought him in as Mankind and they gave him this backstory about how he was like a, a piano prodigy who lived in the basement or whatever and he was constantly... Yeah, he was like Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, and he was shrieking and screaming and like a stuck pig. <laughs> yeah. They, they showed a little bit of it in that video where he has this sit-down interview with Jim Ross and he's talking oh, yeah. about his backstory and what brought him here. And it turns out that Mick Foley's real backstory is way more compelling than the fake bullshit backstory about being an abused piano prodigy was. Yeah, definitely. And that became the version of Mick Foley that we all knew and loved. And in fact, they even start calling him Mick Foley instead of Mankind or Cactus Jack. And there was this acknowledgement that the performer Mick Foley was now a character on the show and Mankind was sort of a facet of his personality and Cactus Jack was a facet of his personality. But I'm Mick, experiencing this weird swell of pride for him. Yeah. And this, <laughs> this equally weird swell of support from the fans. Yeah. So the match that we're about to watch is sort of poetic because it's a match against The Rock, who, among That's other like things, is the prototypical pro wrestler. It is what you want, you know, what WWE wants their, their champion to look like and act like. And I really hope he's going to beat The Rock in this. <laughs> well, he just might. He just Yay. might. Boy, wouldn't that be terrible if, if we were talking about how great Mick Foley was and <laughs> he loses? I still respect him. Do you remember, I mean, you remember the Rock and Sock connection, yes, which was the, the team between Mick Foley and The Rock. Do you remember anything about their rivalry? I remember that they had a rivalry, and that's about it. Okay. Before we get into the, you know, discussing the background or the backdrop of this match, did you have any other thoughts about the homework? I'm glad that he did what he did, but I'm also sad about it. And now I think I have a new, um, I don't really want to see him get beaten up now. <laughs> I right. really want to see him win. There's a great moment in that sit-down interview that I don't think was in that clip. You saw the part where he puts the mandible claw on Jim Ross, right? So what he was saying before that was Jim Ross was asking him, you know, Mick, why do you get such joy out of hurting your opponents? And he says, you know, Jimmy, when I think about putting that mandible claw on my opponent, in my head I'm putting it on Vince McMahon. And, I'm, nice. and what I'm thinking is, why did you take me when I was good? Why did you take me when I was whole? Why did you take me when I was young? And it's like, holy shit, what, what a poignant thing. I think my other main thought is that I wish somebody, I say this about everybody because I work as a psychotherapist, but I wish somebody had offered him some therapy at some point. Right. I feel like it would have been beneficial. <laughs> right. And there's another point in that interview where Jim Ross asks him, first he asks him, have you ever been to a doctor? Like, after, you've, oh after you're jumping off of cages and being thrown through tables and things, have you ever been to a doctor? And he goes, no, Jim, I believe in the body's ability to heal itself. I don't believe in doctors. And then he asks him later, hey, Mick, have you ever seen uh, a psychologist or a psychiatrist about, uh, you know, any of these feelings that you're having? And he says, you know, Jimmy, I told you before that I believe in the body's ability to heal itself, and I feel the same, th same way about the human mind. 
and he's he's saying this while wearing a, like a leather mask <laughs> and describing how when he's hurting people he's imagining that he's hurting his boss <laughs> I mean aren't we all <laughs> I mean we are that's that's the sort of whole conceit behind Stone Cold Steve Austin right like hey what if you were yeah, that's true. What if there were no consequences and you could just beat your boss to death every week? Wouldn't that be fun? That's a fair point. I guess now we should talk about the lead-up to this match. In that video, Mick Foley was talking about his love for WWE and his wish that Vince McMahon had taken him when he was good and that, you know, this desire to be the face of the company that Vince McMahon wants... At the time, Vince McMahon was locked in a feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin, who was the most popular star in the company, and also not the kind of person that Vince McMahon wanted as his champion. So he sort of manipulated mankind into attacking Stone Cold Steve Austin in the hope that he could take the championship off of Steve Austin. So, so Mick Foley started wearing, uh, he started wearing the tie. This is why Mankind started wearing the tie, because he wanted to be a corporate champion. You know, he wanted to be presentable. The he's, tie probably wasn't doing it. No, it wasn't, because he's still wearing, like, the, the poop brown tights and the, uh, <laughs> like the shredded button-down shirt. But it was clear to fans that Mick Foley was being manipulated by somebody whose approval he desperately wanted, sort of as a weapon to use against Stone Cold Steve Austin. So... In this sense, Mick Foley is being used as a weapon, and he can't see it because of his desperate need for this guy's approval. What happens is there's a big tournament to crown a new champion, and Steve Austin winds up getting eliminated early on. And the finals wind up being The Rock versus Mick Foley. And Vince McMahon comes out supposedly to support Mick Foley, who's his guy, you know, he's wearing his tie. He's trying to be a good corporate champion. And he's doing it all right. He's doing exactly right. And what happens is that at the end of the match, Vince McMahon betrays mankind to throw his support behind The Rock because The Rock is actually the kind of person that Vince McMahon wants as his champion. Clean cut, muscular, handsome, marketable, right? And Mick Foley... I know nobody can see my face right now. But it's uh, not a good face. <laughs> I mean, can you blame Vince McMahon? Because it turns out that The Rock is like the most popular human being on the face of the earth in 2018. He's very yeah, marketable. Yeah, you put it like that. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, do you want the biggest movie star in the world to be your champion? Uh, yeah, I guess, probably, yeah. Yeah, I guess. So Mick Foley at this point is distraught because he thought he was... He thought his dream was finally coming true. He thought he had proven himself and that they were willing to make him a big star. But he asks, you know, why did you do this? And Vince McMahon essentially tells him, because you're a freak and a monster and no one likes you. Why would anyone ever choose you over The Rock? Look at The Rock. But just think, if they'd given this um, to him, maybe he would be starring in Rampage right now. <laughs> and it would be... It would, an even more excellent film. <laughs> an even more excellent film than it already is? An even more yeah, excellent than the existing version <laughs> of Rampage? I know it's difficult to imagine. I'm racking my brain. I can't, I can't imagine a better version of Rampage. <laughs> so, essentially, what happens is we have The Rock 
we have Mick Foley, and Mick Foley winds up earning himself an opportunity against The Rock for the championship. And now The Rock has the explicit support of the owner of the company, and Mick Foley now has his chance, one-on-one, to try to take this championship off The Rock and accomplish this dream he has had since he's been, I don't know, 10 years old? But it's this broken down... Right, and it's this this beaten down version of Mick Foley. You know, he's taken, he's fallen off of cages. He's been lit on fire. He's lost an ear. He's lost teeth. It's not Mick Foley at his best, but it is the Mick Foley that's getting this chance. So he's not at his best physically, but he has to be at his best if he wants to beat The Rock. So that's where we are. Mick Foley getting this chance after all of these years to finally achieve his dream essentially in a broken down body that probably isn't the body you would choose to go up against the rock at sort of the height of his athletic powers with the explicit support of the company's evil owner in his in his corner oh no so they've stacked the deck against Mick Foley here yeah that's kind of distressing it is it is but you know sometimes uh, sometimes good things happen right Right? Sometimes dreams come true. Right. So, what are you expecting from this match? I, I assume you don't remember this match. I don't think I remember this match. I'm expecting Mick Foley to get hurt a lot, and The Rock's going to do the eyebrow, <laughs> and probably ask if we can smell what he's cooking. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I'm all other expectations I'm putting aside. That's fair. I'm taking nothing into this. Just clean slate, only hope and goodness in my heart. Well, I'm sure <laughs> Mick appreciates that. I'm sure he does. So, here we go. Here's, uh, here's our dude, our boy, Mick Foley, walking out to the ring with his shredded t-shirt. And He's looking pretty badass. He's looking pretty badass. And here he's got some, uh, some friends in his corner. Do you remember these, uh, these fellas? That kind of angle. It's not Kurt Angle. That is uh, Triple H. Oh, is it Triple H? Triple H. At Triple H, the Road Dog, uh, X Pac, the Badass Billy Gun, and China, Degeneration X. Oh God, this is bringing back memories. Yep. So Degeneration X was known for being sort of sophomoric, shitbag type guys. <laughs> but they're here in support of Mick Foley because uh, they're also anti-authoritarian and they are also in the middle of a beef with. The Rock and Vince McMahon. So they're here to support Mick Foley, right? And here's uh, here's The Rock, with uh, with his crew, including Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon's son Shane, who is apparently going to be a referee in this match. Oh, that's fair. That's fair, right? Ken <laughs> uh, Ken Shamrock there, and uh, the Big Boss Man, who's literally an evil police officer. Again, not subtle. Not subtle at all. Uh, we're definitely getting the it idea feels... that... Sorry. Yeah, we're getting the idea that these guys are definitely corrupt authority figures, right? Yeah, definitely. The, the fact that they have rented a police officer in riot gear kind of brings that one home. What does he think he's going to use the riot gear for? Uh, I don't know. I guess uh, no, <laughs> nothing good. He, get, he's, he was allowed to wear it in the ring, which is weird. That is 
It's uncharacteristic that The Rock's wearing a shirt right now. Yeah, so The Rock actually uh, had breast reduction surgery. This is a true thing. And he wore this. He wore this shirt while he was healing from that. Oh, I hope that he feels better by himself. I imagine that he does. The Rock is of uh, of Samoan extraction. Sure. Yeah. And so I think he was. Uh, his, the rest of his family are also wrestlers, and they all are. Uh, you know, none of them got breast reduction surgery. So. <laughs> But also, none of them are the biggest movie star on the planet. So maybe that's very true. Maybe The Rock made a good move. So I love this. The Rock is is beating up Mick Foley, and his guys went to help him beat up Mick Foley. And The Rock was like, "No, I'm going to do it myself." And they sort of respectfully, yeah. Oh, yeah. And now Mick Foley firing back with these punches. One thing I love about The Rock. Oh, biting The Rock in the face. One thing I. Yeah. One thing I love about The Rock is how how animated he is when he's getting beaten up. Yeah, I like that too. He really flails around. He does it well. Yes. And he's uh, he's going to attempt here to throw Oh. oh. <laughs> That's got to hurt your knees so badly. Yeah, if I was a wrestler, I think I'd be done now. Yeah. Just like, ooh, pin me, please. This was bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just lie here. Look at, uh, did you see Test over there? Just standing. I didn't, I missed him. Test is standing over there, just sort of, uh, the rock, by the way, just basically murdered Mick Foley with a pair of, with a set of steel steps. Um, you can see Test there in the background, just sort of politely holding the rock's belt for him. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a handbag? Right. And now, in case we're, we're not driving home the fact enough that The Rock is on the villainous side, you see Vince McMahon on the ramp, and behind him is a seven-foot-tall fire demon. In, Somehow I missed that. Yeah, Kane is there. Oh, Kane is there. Kane is there, so That's yeah. That's the reason I had a crush on Kane when I was ten. Oh, really? I had bad taste in men, apparently. <laughs> Kane and the Hardy Boys. Well, the Hardy Boys... Had a little bit, I mean, oh, and then he throws Mick Foley for a suplex on the floor. Ooh. Yeah, I could see the Hardy Boys. Oh, I love this moment. The Rock puts on the headset and does live commentary of himself beating up <laughs> Mick Foley. <laughs> Pauses to take a drink of water. He's thirsty. Yeah, this is why, uh, this kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the Rock just took a drink of water only to get punched and spit the water out of his face. So these are the sort of instincts that The Rock has that made him such a huge star, right? I mean... Oh. And, that choking face was a good one. Right. Yeah, now Mick Foley was just strangling, straight up strangling The Rock like you would do in a murder. <laughs> and here's Mick Foley now on, uh, on commentary. <laughs> and gets... <laughs> Gets just bashed in the face with the ring bell. I love... Beautiful. And now here's The Rock gonna just strangle him with, uh, with a video cord. We should mention that no wrestling has taken place, right? These guys are just trying to kill each other. Also, the ref is kind of flailing his arms like, hey, don't do that. But he's not really doing anything. Right. 
I believe this is a no disqualification match, which means you can't be disqualified. So the match well, is. He, Mankind still bit the rock in the face. Yeah, he did bite the rock in the face, and <laughs> and the rock just threw him through a table with a a rock bottom. So, the referee is really just there to count the pin, but there has been, I mean, I guess that rock bottom was basically the first wrestling move we've seen in the match. Yeah, I'd say so. Everything else has just been, like, attempted murder. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else you would call it to choke somebody with a cable, with an audio cable or a video cable. Just good fun. Good family TV time. Yeah, but I mean, you have to think about it this way, too. We're two minutes, you know, we were two minutes in when Rock tried to crush Mick Foley's head with the steel steps. But you have to play to your performer's strengths, right? Like, nobody wants to see Mick Foley grab a wrist lock. That's not what yeah. you have, that's not why you pay Mick Foley. You pay Mick Foley because you can smash him in the head with the ring steps and he won't die. Yeah. Yep. Oh, no. That was the first attempted pin of the match. And, and Mick got out. But yeah, when you see The Rock in the ring, you can't really blame Vince McMahon for wanting The Rock to be your biggest star, because he clearly is a star, just the way he carries himself. But in this story, it doesn't really matter, because sometimes you want the underdog to win. Yeah. And at this point, Mick Foley has already taken, as you said, you would be done. Like, most wrestlers would already be done at this point. But Mick Foley is not given up, and he's apparently not even close to giving up because he, The Rock has tried to pin him a couple of times, and he hasn't even gotten a close. Uh, do you see the, the big boss man, our, our police officer friend on the outside, like gently drumming his hands on the mat, I guess, to support The Rock? Even though not much wrestling has happened, is it still, like, so fun to watch? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's not, it's not a technical match by any stretch, but it's very fun. Yeah. <laughs> <And> the, <laughs> so The Rock just hit his, uh, his people's elbow, which is one of his finishing moves, and Mick Foley got out of it. You know, I wanted to mention before, when we saw The Rock put on the headset and beat up Mick Foley, as soon as Mick Foley had a chance, he put on the headset to do the same thing to The Rock. Because you have to imagine that deep down inside, Mick Foley still kind of wants to be The Rock. So I think everybody wants to be The Rock. I think so, but I think it's, an interesting, it's interesting that still at this juncture, he's still imitating The Rock because in his mind, that's what it takes to be a champion. Okay, so... The big boss man has interfered. The Rock now has his championship belt and just cracks Mick over the head with it. That seems doubly insulting. Yeah. Two. And Mick Foley gets out. And you gotta love D-Generation X, despite the fact that they're like Judd Nelson's character in The Breakfast Club as a group of wrestling characters. (laughs) They're not... uh, Interfering in any way. Ooh, and Rock catches a DDT on the championship. And look at Mick Fo- or Vince McMahon's face. <laughs> ah, and The Rock escapes. So both of these guys at this point have escaped some pretty heinous punishment. 
That means I how into everybody else is. Ah, 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 Who's this now? Oh. You remember this fella. Oh, the most important person coming out. Mr. Sacco! <laughs> so, fans at home, uh, Mr. Sacco is a dirty sweat sock that Mick Foley keeps in his underpants. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it kind of... And here's Ken Shamrock in with the steel chair, and oh. here's Billy Gunn. So at this point, everything's breaking down. Right? At this point, all bets are off. Uh, I guess... Everyone's just hurting each other now. Yep. Oh, you see everybody's reaction? All those hands just went up? It's because Stone Cold yeah. Steve Austin has showed up. And look, the look of terror on Vince McMahon's face. Steve Austin with the chair on the rock. Right to the face. Drops Mick on top, and here's the referee. One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> and Mick Foley is our new champion. Vince McMahon is inconsolable. <laughs> Look at that face! <laughs> Vince McMahon looks like his head is about to explode from rage. And Mick Foley has his championship. Steve Austin has his revenge because, remember, he was champion before this whole beef between The Rock and Mick Foley started. And uh, here's Mick Foley with his Beavis and Butthead friends, triumphant. <laughs> Man, Vince McMahon is something else with those cartoonish hate faces, isn't he? He's real good at the faces. And here's... Uh, I here's... don't know what face The Rock's making. And here's... Uh, here's Mankind hoisting that championship over his head, finally having this moment. And The Rock being helped out. Vince McMahon looking like he's smelling a million farts. <laughs> and mankind. It's probably yes. He can smell Mr. Sacco from halfway <laughs> up the ramp. And Mick Foley on the shoulders of Degeneration X, hoisting that title over his head, waving at the crowd. And you could kind of read Vince McMahon's lips going, "No, oh, God damn it, no!" <laughs> <laughs> and the Rock. Look at the look of horror on the Rock's face too. <laughs> the Rock kind of looks like he's gonna cry. Yeah, they all kind of look like they're going to cry. That's true. <laughs> and I guess Mick Foley also kind of looks like he's going to cry in a, in, a, in a positive way. Oh, my God. Yeah. Just... <sighs> I'm really enjoying watching I know. The match is over at this point, but we're still... We're still just sort of watching uh, everybody as this, as this all shakes out. Everybody's inconsolable, and now Mick Foley has the microphone. And uh, we, can't, we can't hear what he's saying here, but what Mick Foley is doing right now is, uh, is dedicating this championship win to his kids who are watching at home. Aww. And everyone else who was ever told that they couldn't do it. Right? That's very, that's very sweet. 
and he's finally he's finally got it and uh I think at this point he uh Vince McMahon just sort of gives up and and here we see Mick just running around the ring like a like a little boy holding that title over his head. You'd have to. You'd have to. So that uh that concludes the match. That's a good that's a good distinction to make. What we just watched was not any kind of technical exhibition. It was just a wild a wild fist fight between two maniacs that ended in a very satisfying way. And I think that's the kind of match that 10-year-old Katie would have really liked. Yes. Yes, and that's kind of what wrestling was at this point in the in the in the late 90s. Right, because you had your main event, which was The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin and Mick Foley and The Undertaker and whoever else, just sort of wildly punching each other, and uh, and people losing their goddamn minds. And then on the undercard, you had the Hardy Boys and Edge and Christian jumping off of twenty foot ladders and what all. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to consider that who was in the main event? It was Mick Foley and The Rock. And what they were doing was throwing punches. And uh, it was all about their personalities, right? So this wasn't a good match in a technical sense, but it was a hell of a show. And it was very satisfying. Oh, yeah. It was very satisfying. Definitely satisfying. I'm satisfied. (laughs) Do you remember what, what went on between the two of them after this? Nope. No idea. So after this... They had a match where uh, it was an empty arena match. I don't actually know if you would have seen this because it was aired during the halftime of a Super Bowl. That sounds amazing. Yeah, and it was in an empty arena. And ma- I really want to watch that. Well, maybe we could do that one as a, as a sequel to this because it's pretty amazing. It's in an empty arena, an empty like stadium, and The Rock and Mick Foley and one referee are the only people in the arena. And they're just sort of wandering through the arena. I think Mick Foley hits The Rock with a giant bag full of popcorn. I'm so pleased to hear that. Uh, they get, you know, they throw each other down flights of stairs. There's, you know, somebody gets hit with a garbage can. The end of the match involves a forklift. Oh, that, oh that's everything I've ever dreamed of. <laughs> everything I've ever dreamed of. Mick Foley driving a forklift. <laughs> so... Right, they went on to have this match and sort of a legendary, uh, a legendary I quit match, where you can only win the match by forcing your opponent to verbally submit. That The Rock won in a really shitty way because he smuggled in a tape recorder, and oh. and he had tricked like the week before. He had gotten Mick Foley to say the words, "I will never say I quit." So he was he had. Wait, no. So he had recorded him saying that. So then, in the middle of the match, he plays the tape. And just says, I quit! I quit! I quit! (laughs) And the referee's like, I heard it! So The Rock won that match. That's amazing and awful. I know. I know. But it's such a, you know, if nothing else, this feud between these two guys is very creative. I can't imagine anybody else having this rivalry, you know? They look like they're having fun as well. Yeah, they're, they're good friends in real life, and yeah. 
they had such good chemistry that they wound up being put together as a team in the Rock and Sock Connection, which I know you remember well. I do. Do you have any, any special Rock and Sock Connection memories? I think it's just all one big happy special memory for me. <laughs> I think mostly it's when they're doing the trash talking at the beginning and Mick Foley's kind of doing the Mr. Soccer thing yes. and the rocks looking like obviously agitated next to him. Yes, yes. <laughs> I always liked when he, uh, when The Rock would do his millions and millions of The Rock's fans and Mick Foley chimes <laughs> in with, and the hundreds and hundreds of mankind's fans. <laughs> They actually have one of the uh, one of the all time. I think it's still to this day remains the top, like the most watched pro wrestling segment of all time, and it was this segment called uh, "This Is Your Life." Where I remember that you remember that where mankind yeah. brought out like the Rock's high school teacher and his like his high school girlfriend and his gym like his his football coach or whoever and they're all giving their memories about the Rock and there's balloons coming from the ceiling and, and I vaguely remember watching that live and the Rock is just sort of standing there with this quizzical look on his face as Mick Foley brings out person after person after person and they go through all of these inane memories and the Rock ends it by saying the Rock's birthday is May 2nd <laughs> This is supposed to be a birthday gift to The Rock. That's amazing. I think I remember being confused and delighted, which is probably how The Rock felt. Yes. So I mentioned, uh, I mentioned television ratings. This is one of the most watched uh, moments in the history of pro wrestling also because, you know, I mentioned the, the head-to-head battle between WCW and WWE. So WCW, at the time, all of their shows were live, and WWE was occasionally taping episodes in advance. And well, now I feel cheated. Right. We weren't watching this live? <laughs> so what had happened was WWE had recorded this, and they were going to air it a week later, and WCW found out what they were going to air. So on live television, their lead announcer comes out and says, you know, fans, if you're thinking about changing to the other channel, don't bother because we've just received word that uh, Mick Foley, who used to wrestle on our show as Cactus Jack, is going to win their world title. Ha! That'll put some butts in seats. So That's incredibly shitty. That's incredibly shitty, but do you know what happened? Like what? millions of people switched over to the other show to watch Mick Foley yes. win his world championship. <laughs> And it's actually been, like, a sort of conspiracy over the years. Like, people asking the announcer, like, did you say that? Were you told to say that? Like, because it's such a shitty thing to do. But And Mick Foley, meanwhile, is like, I don't really care. Like, <laughs> But I, I just love that they felt that still, up until the moment that it happened, like, nobody's going to care about Mick Foley. Meanwhile, on the other channel... You know, millions of people switch over because they want to see Mick Foley finally achieve his dream. I'm and just very pleased that millions of people care about Mick Foley. Yeah, yeah. 
It's uh, it warms my heart. Yeah, it is. That's heartwarming is a good word to describe Mick Foley. I think. Yeah. So do you strange have strange and heartwarming? Strange and heartwarming. Yep. I mean, <laughs> on brand. Uh, do you have Do you have any other thoughts about uh, about the match about Mick Foley in general? I like the. Um, I'm trying to think of a way to put this. I just like that everybody in the audience was like so clearly into it. Yes. Yeah. The engagement. It's always really great to see. Yeah, it really is. Uh, and we watched it with the sound off, which is sometimes a bummer because when you hear the audience reaction for these things, it, some, it sometimes pushes it over the edge to something that's cool, to something that's just amazing to see. Because to see these thousands of people in attendance all in unison, just wanting something to happen, and then getting what they want all at once, that sort of catharsis is really cool to see. You put that so much better than I could have done. Well, Katie, that's why I'm the host of the show. <laughs> <laughs> that was very rude. I apologize. No, that makes sense. That is why you're the host of the show. I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best to make uh, this very lowbrow entertainment seem highbrow and important. You're doing a good job. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, but and yeah. just because something's mostly people throwing things around doesn't mean it can't be what's that oh sorry my laptop just did a thing it's okay um i was saying that just because something's mostly people throwing things around doesn't mean it can't be important that's true that's very true that's what the olympics are right throwing stuff around most of it i guess i've never watched the olympics so i'm sorry you never watched the Olympics. <laughs> no, not on purpose. I guess people don't wear demon masks and, and stuff like that. That's true. Although, Kurt Angle was an Olympian. Oh, that's true. An Olympic gold medalist. You know, Kurt Angle won, I won an Olympic gold medal with a broken freaking neck. <laughs> There's my Kurt Angle impression, everybody. I don't know if that, if that came across well. That's right. B-plus impressions. That's what people come to the show for is B-plus impressions. <laughs> I have, like, two A-plus impressions. Can I hear them? Yeah, A-plus impression. Number one, Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah, basically flawless. Yeah, basically flawless. So, oh, that's amazing. So that's one. And then my other one is Hank Hill. I don't know why Hank Hill is so easy for me to do. Now, did you all Perfection. did you all get King of the Hill over in the UK? Definitely did. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I really liked King of the Hill when I was a kid. Why? That's a legitimate question, though. Was what did you connect with about King of the Hill? It's such like talk about pro wrestling being Americana. King of the Hill is so laser focused on blue collar America. What? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I got it. I think it was just like, well, we're making money on The Simpsons. Let's bring in King of the Hill also. Sounds likely. I mean, The Simpsons, because The Simpsons is a show with international appeal, right? Like, I could see 
The Simpsons is very cosmopolitan, comparatively speaking. You know, King of the Hill... Pretty, it translates pretty well. King of the Hill just ain't, though. <laughs> That's true. But I, I remember liking Bobby a lot. Oh, yeah, listen. I think, I think everyone who grew up a weird kid identifies with Bobby Hill so hard. Yeah, I get that. Especially if you had parents who weren't necessarily super weird. But I find, that makes sense to me. I find myself, as I age, identifying more and more with Hank Hill, though. <laughs> I don't think that's a bad thing. No, because you know what? Part of growing up, I think, is realizing that Hank is basically the only sane man on that show. I get that. I, the older I get, the more I identify with Marge Simpson, so... Right. Right. Because when you're a kid, Boy, you're like... I always kind of... I always kind of thought she was boring when I was a kid. Yeah. And when you're younger, you're like... I just kind of get it. You're like, oh, Bart is my favorite character. And then you grow up and you're like, oh my god, can you imagine if you had to live with Bart Simpson? <laughs> yeah, I always liked Lisa. Oh yeah, Lisa's great too. Yeah. We're, we're a little far afield at this point. <laughs> it's okay. Sorry. It's okay. It's not a problem. I, I'm, I'm, I'm the shepherd here and I'm leading, uh, I'm leading the show off a cliff. It's okay. Um, if we just imagine the Simpsons wrestling the cast of King of the Hill. Well, you know, there was a Simpsons wrestling game for the PlayStation That's 1. That's a bit upsetting. No, it was really I good. I don't know why. Well, it wasn't really good, I bet, like, in retrospect, but I enjoyed it at the time. Uh, you could be you could be Ned Flanders. And oh, that suddenly makes it very cool. And Ned Flanders, one of his, his secret moves was you could get on your knees and pray and your opponent would be struck by lightning. And you could basically spam that. You could just run around and pray, and lightning would just repeatedly strike your opponent. That's wrestling goals. Yeah, really, uh, really cheap. But yeah. <laughs> okay, so this has been another another episode of I Hate Wrestling. Uh, my theme song is "The Crusher" by the Novas. Uh, I want to thank Corinne Dodenhoff for designing my wonderful, wonderful logo. I want to remind all the listeners out there to like and subscribe on iTunes, on SoundCloud. Uh, visit us on Facebook. Visit our official webpage. Uh, buy some merchandise, right? Katie, do you think people should buy some merchandise? I definitely think people should buy some merchandise. People... I really like the T-shirt. Oh, thank you. I think I like the T-shirt, too. I think people should buy two T-shirts each. I think people should just buy two t-shirts for themselves and then they should buy more t-shirts for their friends you know what christmas is coming up right so buy everybody a t-shirt buy one t-shirt buy everyone a t-shirt right every one of your friends buy them a t-shirt as a gift and then buy a second t-shirt and fold it up vacuum pack it and put it in with their christmas card they're gonna love it because everybody's gonna appreciate that second t-shirt because they're gonna be like oh i wore my first t-shirt to the company christmas party and now it's all dirty, what am I going to wear at Christmas dinner with my family? What's that in the Christmas card? It's your second I Hate Wrestling t-shirt. You're saving your friend's laundry. Exactly right. Basically be a hero. Uh, Be a hero. Be a Christmas hero. Be Santa Claus. (laughs) Be twice the man Santa Claus ever was. You can do it. Oh, sorry. I believe in you. Sorry, Father Christmas. You know, Mick Foley is a Santa Claus now. I'm sorry, what? I said Mick Foley is a Santa Claus now. He's, 
Like, there are... I, I don't know if you have this. Uh, well, I'm sure you have in some ways, like, uh, Father Christmases who go to shopping malls and things like that. Oh, like a mall center. Right. But in the U.S., it's like a whole thing, and there are governing bodies of Santa Clauses that are... That I would definitely pay really good money to go and see Mick Foley Santa. Yeah, so he actually... Uh, my, my very good best friend, Stephen the Train Graham, who... Is, has probably been on an episode by this point, by the time that this airs. Uh, his father is a member of this sort of uh, ruling body of Santa Clauses. He was the Santa Claus at Radio City Music Hall one year, which is like... That's the, absolutely a dream job. Yeah, that's basically the closest you get to being the real Santa. And I guess Mick Foley somehow defers to him on Santa Matters. I don't know how the shadow Santa government works, but I know that uh, I know that Mick Foley and Howie are both in it. I feel like somebody needs to write a book about the Shadow Santa government. The Shadow Santa government? It's, <laughs> it should probably be Alex Jones, huh? Better do it. <laughs> or uh, fucking David Icke or something. Yes. <laughs> okay, so at this point, uh, Katie, I have to ask you, when I ask all my guests, which is, if you were going to be a professional wrestling character, what would your character be? What would my character be? Yes. Um, let me think. Oh, I really like, um, I really can't think what her name is. Um, the, the lady who's on right now and she always wears, like, a really obnoxious neon stuff. Really obnoxious neon stuff? Yeah. She's always, like, really bright and, like, really happy. Bailey? Bailey? Bailey. Bailey's the, the one with the inflatable arm-flailing tube men? Yes. And she hugs everybody? That sounds right. Yes! Okay. <laughs> yes, I'd be, like, um, the mistress of hugs or something. The mistress of hugs. <laughs> <laughs> you're hugging your opponents, you're hugging your friends. Uh, just a little bit tighter. <laughs> just a little bit. You hug them really... I'm not going to win any matches. You just, you hug them really tight and you whisper in your ears, watch yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like that. This is me. The mistress of hugs. That, <laughs> that's interesting because it sounds, at the same time, very kinky and very innocent. Yeah. <laughs> It's really, it's really a coin flip. No, my God. I'll roll with that. No, this, you know what you have to do? You have to be like Mick Foley. You have to have more than one personality. You don't know which mistress of hugs is going to come out. Right. Is it going to be, is it going to be the hug side or is it going to be the mistress side? Oh, I'm so into that. <laughs> That's perfect. And imagine your opponent is really disappointed. Your, your oh. opponents are going to be really disappointed <laughs> one way or the other, depending on what they were expecting to happen. I recently found out one of my friends in London has been doing some training to be a pro wrestler. Oh, yeah? So I could just go to London and do this. Yeah, do it. Watch out, world. Watch out, world. I'm going to hug you. Mr. <laughs> is coming. I'm going to hug you, or maybe not. <laughs> am I going to hug you, or am I going to slug you? I can go on my t-shirt. 
I think everybody should buy two. One for Christmas yes. presents and one for Christmas cards. Definitely. Buy them for your children. Buy, babies need this. Buy... <laughs> babies need... <laughs> the Kinky <laughs> Hug Lady t-shirt. <laughs> Make sure you have it in infant sizes. We've got the logo on, like, a bib. <laughs> Buy three. Buy three. One for Jesus. each of your children. <laughs> Buy some for children you might have in the future. Just hand them out on the street. <laughs> We're good at marketing. Yeah. Testing. Give me some testings. Testing, testing. Testing, testing. Testing, testing. <laughs> you have a good singing voice. Thank you. Thank you. I agree. <laughs>